Today's episode of Basketball Buds is brought to you by Game Time. All right, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Pelicans tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. That's tap, tap. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Rise and shine. It's time to get up, get your day going. Lock it in. There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. Congratulate them on the stack. This is the basketball button. You know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, you can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Big one. South will rise again. I'll tell you that much. And I don't mean the rebels either. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I don't think it's inconsistent. Jared was asking Danny Ainge who he wanted him to say on the podcast. Draymond Green hears everybody kind of whispering that. And he will be embarrassed if they don't make the playoffs. He may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Like, get out of here. Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoyt. My mic doesn't. But everyone doesn't do well when they don't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented on. Of this business. Right, and if they get caught, they get thrown in jail. Of this business. Of basketball. Are you making calls for Fred Katz? Because Katz has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. This is a journey into time. Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new colors, new dimensions, new What's up, buddy? Show. Dream. I have a dream. That one day, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. I have a dream today. Welcome to the Basketball Buds episode of the Back to Back Podcast for the Athletic Podcast Network for the NBA season tip-off tonight. Pelicans, without elite conditions, Zion Williamson, who has a hurt knee, are going to the Toronto Raptors. And then we've got the battle for Los Angeles with the Lakers. Tough, tough road game to start the season at the Clippers. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Dave DeFore, Wazi Lambrey. We have Anthony Slater from uh, from The Athletic as well. So I actually want to start off, before we get into tonight's games and some prediction stuff and everything, uh, Slater, we've, we found out a bit of news today, I believe by Logan Murdoch, um, that Clay Thompson is likely out for the season. Was this to be expected? No, not really. Uh, and I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, it's it's very interesting that Kerr said it, uh, and it's definitely news that he said it. But it wasn't like Clay had a setback in rehab, and they're they're kind of reconfiguring the timeline for us. It's just I think it's Steve Kerr seeing what he saw in preseason, kind of wanting to tamp down expectations and just <laughs> kind of throwing that out there a little bit. Like, hey, don't view him as the savior. Uh, but in Clay Thompson's mind, I still think he's sitting there at the very early stages of rehab still uh, with the hope that, you know, March is in, uh, I think March 2nd is the eight-month mark from surgery. April 2nd will be the nine-month mark. Like, he still has hopes to come back, but I, I just don't think, 
I think Steve was just maybe a little bit tired of seeing every preview out there saying, and then right in March, here comes Clay Thompson storming back for the title run. Well, one, Steve, thanks for subscribing to The Athletic and reading yes. our preview stuff. Uh, yeah. A lot of good podcasts, by the way, Steve, as I'm sure you know, that we can get into. A lot of team podcasts. We're all over these podcasts, the four of us. Um, so you want to make, Steve, thanks for, thanks for listening. I want to make sure that you check out all those But don't out. ruin our previews. Right, exactly. Yeah, don't screw the pre. Like, you know how many like potential extension stuff I, w- I wrote about last week, and they all got done. Yeah, they all got done. And my previews are just like, all right, well, I got to take that out now. Just- we do a <laughs> we do a crazy amount of work that is kind of deemed irrelevant, like tonight, basically. Uh, you I know, mean, really, probably off. right now, if we're being honest. Like, yeah, it's, it's like- I don't even know if we have to wait till tonight. <laughs> this is life in the content minds, gentlemen. It is how it operates. It is. Um, What's interesting is I think um, from at in street clothes via our buddy, Tom Haverstrow um, is that the average return is 330 days uh, for an ACL, which would put him, I think according to Tom, yeah, put him at like early June. Um, Was I wonder how much of that is like when a guy can come back and when they do come back, because I do think those are two very different things. Yeah, a lot of times it's context specific, but for me, Steve Kerr coming out and saying this like reeks of residue from what happened in the playoffs last year. It's cowardly, was just say it's cowardly. I, no, I think they didn't do the right thing with the KD stuff. Instead of being like game the game, drip drip drip, information information, they could have just been like, look, he's not coming back till about game five of the finals. That's the target date. Even if he wasn't, like who? Who's like hurt if KD comes back earlier than what was expected? What they did before was just like, you know, play it by ear. We don't know. He's looking good. He's looking good. So with this, they were just like, Clay's not coming back. And if they go go back on their word, like what are the actual consequences of Clay coming back before Steve Kerr announced that he would? I don't, I don't see the downside risk to that. So it just seems like Kerr is coming out, putting the kibosh on this because you know, I'm somebody who did give him grief um, for the way the KD stuff was handled. And it wasn't just Steve Kerr. It was, you know, the players whispering to reporters like, man, where's KD at? And, you know, just all of the chatter about KD allegedly being good to go and just holding the team hostage. So, you know, not that they would have ever did that to Clay. Nobody know. I, I would assume no, they, not. they held him out. Right. They held, they, they, he wanted to play. What was it? Game three Slater. He wanted to play. And they said, right. no, we'll, we're going to save you. Yeah, he sat on the bench like stewing over there. Remember, his yeah. face? they kept showing him. Uh, yeah. yeah, he wanted to play, but st- I mean, and then he came back on a pretty bum hamstring and played awesome. But then, you know, people say that could have been part of the knee. You know, if the hamstring's yeah. unstable, then maybe that's why kind of the knee went out a little bit. Um, but you know, I look, it's going to come down to Clay Thompson, who is a very different personality from Kevin Durant. Um, okay. and Clay Thompson has been talking about, he's been studying rehab, you know, ACL rehab injuries and how impressed he was because Adrian Peterson came back, I think in seven months and think about Adrian Peterson's knees and the type of pounding that takes. So, uh, he knows it's possible, but the Warriors are saying, be cautious. And the truth is all of this is going to um, be dependent on the circumstances of the season. If the Warriors right. aren't good, if they're 25 and 30 by the Tank, time, baby, think, go think get LaMelo. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, before he, before he can even think about coming back, then it's not even, you know, they won't bring him back. I've kind of looked at the situation. You remember Paul George, uh, breaks his leg and that whatever summer that was, Yeah, uh, 14. He, he broke it. I think August 1st. So 
that's after Clay Thompson had his injury. He did it in June, obviously had the surgery in July. Paul George did not miss that entire rest of the season, even though in our no, minds, he played I like think, five or six games, right? Yeah, he played. He came back in early April, which is about when Clay would be the nine month mark for Clay, and he played like fifteen minutes the last six games. And I actually think that helped him, uh, you know, into that summer. You know, I'm sure he went into the summer thinking, okay, you know, the body's feeling pretty good after playing, you know, a few NBA minutes, and now let's get ready for next season. I can see that being maybe the uh, way they go with Clay if. Uh, a playoff chase isn't on the table. If it is, I mean, can you imagine Draymond Green watching Clay Thompson look pretty good in like, uh, you know, his like later stages of rehab and being like, look, I think we got a shot. Come on, the Clippers, you know, they they, right. they haven't come together, the Lakers. So it's all dependent on circumstance. But also from, from Steve Kerr's perspective, this is a good way to get you guys, Slater, to stop asking, right? Oh, yeah. Isn't that really what this is? Hounding him every day. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but right, like it's just like, hey, let's take the pressure off the team. Let's take the pressure off Clay. I get it. I mean, I and and honestly, I don't want I don't want to hear once a week a, a status update on Clay. I would much rather just be surprised. Hey, Clay is going to come play tomorrow. You know, some random game in March. Um, that's just my own personal preference on it. But I I, I think I, I I think it's a little bit of what Waz said where the, the team is trying to get out in front, say, hey, we're going to take this day by day and, and we're going to be extremely cautious and also take the pressure off Clay a little bit. Because uh, in all of these previews, it is very much dependent on, well, if Clay Thompson comes back and he can be effective, the Warriors can still win a title. Well, you and know, uh, you that's a lot of pressure for a guy rehabbing. No, you know what's funny about that? And by the way, we have Mo Dakiel on, uh, who joins us, uh, also involved in a lot of podcasting with The Athletic, writes uh, some stuff for Bleach Report, has written for Washington Post, all kinds of good stuff, former video coordinator. Um, what's what's funny about that is, like, I don't really get too swayed by stuff. And Mo, you can speak to this. Like, I don't get swayed by a lot of preseason action. But the Warriors have looked so bad in the preseason that I part of me is like, I don't know. Like, not that I, I don't think they're in danger of missing the playoffs unless Steph or Draymond have a significant injury. But Mo, like, is it ever like a team looks so bad in the preseason that you're like, all oh, right, well, maybe we should rethink some things. I'm see, I'm of the point, Zach, where I've they looked so bad. I am literally thinking to myself, they might not make the playoffs. Like, that's how bad they've looked. It's just their defense has been bad the whole way through. I looked at it. I was worried about it when they lost. Iguodala, uh, Livingston, obviously Clay, me and out. I was like, wow, I don't know how they're going to defend on the perimeter. And then watching them, and it's preseason, we know all that stuff, and not to take too much into it. Right, and and I never do, but for whatever reason, I'm watching, I'm like, damn, this team is not good. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, just defensively, I just look at it going like, and it's not even if Draymond or, or Steph or her, just look at it in the sense of this is without Looney and uh, Willie Colley-Stein. Like, these are guys that they're <laughs> those guys are hurt and they look this bad. I just, I'm, I'm concerned. I really think there's a good chance they missed the playoffs. Like I'm at the point now where I'm ready to just I'm almost there where it's like, Hey, they're not making the playoffs this year. I, I'm not, I'm not going there was, I'm not going there unless Steph gets hurt or unless Draymond gets hurt. I like, I think they can prop up 48 wins by their, like, I do think we forget a little bit um, how good those two are. Yeah, you know, for me, it's Steph's not a spring chicken. So to ask him to go out and, you know, the nature of how he plays, he can't loaf around for the 35 minutes that he's out there. He has to be the engine that 
you know, basically gets this offense going on every possession. So meaning even when he's not do, uh, playing the pick and roll one and one, it's all the stuff he's doing off the ball, scaring the shit off out of the defense and making them collapse on what his off ball stuff that creates everything for this offense. So, you know, that being said, like he has to do that all game, every game in order for this team to score enough points to win. Um, and, of course, all of the defensive limitations that Mo just, just outlined, I think it's very possible that they missed the playoffs. And like I said, I've been killing this D'Angelo Russell move for a minute. I don't understand what he's supposed to be doing for a team that has Steph Curry on it. Um, so well, I, think he's, I think he's supposed to spell Steph Curry a little bit, right, so that he doesn't have to go out there and drop 40 a night every single night. Yeah, like Slater, so Slater, am I, I don't wrong with that? Like, that like, <laughs> like he has, he's he's replacing Clay to a certain extent, but he's also like it's to take some of that playmaking pressure off of off Steph, right? Well, yeah, wider scope, he's an asset more than like you right. know. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's please put the quotation marks around that, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this season, I'd say his most important job is hey, when Steph Curry sits the first six minutes of the second and fourth quarter, and he delivers you a four point lead deliver it back to him as a lead still, even if it's a two point lead or one point lead, like don't just get killed in those first six minutes of the second and fourth. Um, and you know, he can be a spot up shooter. You know, this is not a team uh, loaded with shooting, although they probably have more shooting than last year. They just don't have any defense, but uh, you know, like I think you, you looked at his numbers last year. I think he was like near 40% as a, as a spot up shooter. So I think just, you know, more space for Steph will help, especially, you know, the, the Raptors dropped that box and one on the Warriors last year. And they've kind of talked about maybe not, maybe not seeing a box and one on every night, but you know, teams are going to do some unique stuff against this roster with Steph out there. Um, so, you know, he has different little jobs, but again, I think the main thing is, Kevin Durant left and they thought a better asset play than one year of Iguodala when they wouldn't probably even have clay. Uh, and two first round picks weren't as much as, um, D'Angelo Russell on this contract and what he can be used of as value into the future. Or, you know, if he, if he remains an all-star player on their team, do I agree? I don't know, but that was kind of their thought. Uh, how, if they struggle out of the gate, how much do you guys think they might pull the plug a little bit on the season and start to just, you know, all right, we're going to protect Steph. We're going to protect Draymond. We're going to get these guys healthy through the season, you know, make sure that they have some workload. You know, we don't want to just completely tank, but uh, you know, shoot for something like the five or sixth uh, spot in the draft. Uh, you know, I think it's um, some of it's dependent on Draymond's attitude. Let's I David think. Robinson, this thing Slater. Come yeah, on, yeah. let's, let's, let's get it. Let's stack the deck. That's fine, but like the, the issue with that thought process is like Steph Curry's 32 years old, feels mm -hmm. awesome right now, looks awesome right now. He does not want to just give up uh, one of his final seasons of his prime. You know, he could win the MVP this year. Like if you're Steph Curry, that's fun. He's very excited for the season. There's like this human element to it. Uh, and, you know, Draymond Green hears everybody kind of whispering that. And like he, he's the one that's already saying he still thinks they're title uh, contenders, especially if play comes back. So like he will be embarrassed if they don't make the playoffs. Now, now you know they, how you know how old David Robinson was when Tim Duncan made his debut? Thirty two. There you go. Yeah, yeah. see, we so got some parallels did, here. Didn't didn't David Robinson have an injury though? He had an actual injury, right? Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, it wasn't season ending like they made it. He only played six games that year, but they definitely were like, Well, maybe yes. you don't need to come back. Hey, you know what? If Steph has like a hamstring strain that knocks him out like five weeks in the first, you know, two weeks of the season, might as well make it this, twenty. 
this has completely changed, you know, the topic. Right. Uh, but right now he just scored 40 points in a preseason game in 20 minutes. And it looks like, you know, barring how many games they win, he could be an MVP. So, I mean, they're not going to do that to start the season. And another thing that helps them, they have a pretty soft start to the ske- schedule. Like the first 20 games are, are mostly against pretty average opponents. Uh, I think like five of their first seven are at home. Uh, and they believe if they can get some footing and kind of be above water, uh, you know, may, I mean, and then you got to look around the West. I know we all talk about how loaded it is, but if suddenly the bar for the eight seed doesn't look like it's going to be 48 and it looks like it's going to be more towards like 44, 45, they feel like they could slip in and, and not to, uh, you know, calm the news of the day, but like Clay Thompson still is an option as much as we're sitting here talking about him not being an right, option. Sure. He is an option. Well, so here, here's my question is like, we know, we know we've got Steph and Draymond and D'Angelo Russell and Kevon Looney, right? Those are the four best players. Who's the fifth best player on this team? Well, so you, you named, uh, or I've Ste- Ste- Colley, Colley Stein would be five. Ooh, um, he which, sucks. Yeah. He's so bad. <laughs> he's so bad. Like I, well, I would say he's, he's so bad. Fifth. The Kings were like, no, we're good. Let's go see if we can get Dwayne Dedman. Who's fine. But yeah, like he's bad. I'm maybe he's not the fifth best player, but he's the fifth. He's only like the fifth guy that's established himself in an NBA rotation. Like yeah. He started 81 games. Last I year. mean, I was, now, I was thinking it was him or Glenn Robinson, the third, which then even still like, man. Yeah. You know who they're like, Steve Kerr is like super high on uh, Eric Pascal, the rookie, you know, he's a second rounder, but he looks like he can defend. He's already 23 years old almost. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I can't sit here and say he's the fifth best player. Because he's played zero NBA games. So I I think they believe, uh, you know, two months from now, we could be talking about him like that. You know, they need somebody to kind of step in and play wing minutes. You mentioned Glenn Robinson. He's going to start against Kawhi on opening night. Um, Yeah, I know. But, you know, I I think Pascal can help. And I think Jordan Poole actually looked pretty good in preseason. Like, he's going to shoot it. He's going to be super inefficient. I'm not sure he's that big of a help this year. I mean, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a thin team. But, again, they have arguably the best offensive player in the league and arguably the best defensive player in the league. So if those two are on, remain healthy, uh, they can probably beat enough bad and average teams to be in the conversation for the playoffs. That's what I think, at least. Poole's going to get heavy minutes, and, and people are going to be saying that he should be in the running for rookie of the year just because he's going to – I think he's going to shoot a lot. Yeah, he's, he took 39 uh, threes in the preseason. He hit 13 of them which is like, you know, 33%, not great. But I think if he does that, at least, you know, they need a high volume guy to just jack up some shots on this team. Cause I mean, we've been talking about what the rotation looks like. That's Russell. Yeah. Just did a face bomb right there. Uh, Slater, we, where can we, where can we listen to y'all season? We got, we got so many pods. You're one of the Warriors original. all 82 podcasts is like kind of like just like the post game, uh, you know, 20 minute or so it was like Marcus or Ethan or one of the uh, you know writers who covers the opposing team just comes on like quick thoughts type thing. So that's where you can listen. You can also read too, right? And subscribe. Oh yeah. If you can read, I mean, I can't read, but if you can read, if you have the ability, uh, subscribe NBA tip off is the promo code, right? The athletic.com slash NBA tip off 40% off and a free one week trial right there. The athletic, uh, Anthony Slater. Thanks so much. Yep, appreciate it. Um, I did 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 want to welcome the new producer Zach. Yes. Mike Smeltz. That's my that's my producer. How are you doing, Mike? I'm awesome. I'm just watching the uh, Star Wars trailer for the eighth time. So Mo, Mo Docula and I saw that trailer yesterday before we saw Gemini Man in 3D. We should have gone after that trailer. <laughs> you know what? Was it? Hey, because <laughs> hold on, because I'm anti-trailers. I literally closed my eyes throughout the entire. Did you? Star Wars oh man! I, see, I, 
for the John Wick three trailer, I ran out of a theater. <laughs> I've heard uh, on a date. Yeah, I heard Gemini Man. I heard people making excuses for Gemini Man, saying it was bad because of the frame rate. No, it's bad because it's a horrible <laughs> movie with bad action. It's a terrible story. Movie. But other than that, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I, I walked out of there looking at Zach going like, did I just watch somebody play Call of Duty or something? Like, I mean, Mo, Mo can attend. I was laughing throughout the movie. It was, it was just, hysterical. It was it was hysterical. I'm um, a little worried that you guys had time to see that movie. This is even worse, Mike, is that we uh, we picked it over the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, we had really? it, we had same time starting. We went, eh, let's go Gemini, man. Can I tell you, uh, I'll admit something in full honesty. I was doing work while sitting in the back row of Joker one of these days, oh, uh, okay. sending emails in the back row. Were you editing the uh, Hoops and Howls podcast that I'm on with John Krasinski? There's almost no editing needed for that podcast. So That's I true. Done that. We're really good at it. Were you editing the Fieldhouse files that I do with Scott oh, Agnes? Oh, how about that? <laughs> oh. Actually, as you know, Scott is the master at that. No, I was just, I was on Slack, just reading Slack and watching oh. Joker, extremely violent movie. Uh, well. Yes, sir. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. How you guys doing, man? Uh, we're doing better than, than Zion. Uh, uh, Will <laughs> <laughs> covers the Pelicans for us. Uh, we've heard via various places that it's not a weight issue that caused Zion's knee. It is, uh, I believe David Griffin told Mark Stein that Zion is in elite condition. So a bit of a damper to start the season, six to eight weeks after um, after repairing uh, a torn meniscus. So what, what can you tell us about the reason the Pelicans believe this happened? Just a freak thing? Yeah, uh, we just got we just finished talking to David Griffin about, you know, 10 minutes ago out there on the court. And, you know, he said that uh, it happened right after the Spurs game where Zion probably went through one practice, one or two practices, and then he kind of went to the training staff and said he felt a little stiffness in his knee. And the thing that David Griffin wanted to point out was, you know, there wasn't any swelling. There wasn't any pain he was going through. It was just more stiffness. So they didn't really know how serious it was. And then once they finally went through the test, they realized that it was a, a torn meniscus and he had to undergo surgery. And I think the big thing that, you know, Griffin really wanted to push when he talked to us uh, not too long ago was that he doesn't believe that the weight is the issue with Zion. He doesn't think this is something that's going to be reoccurring. It's just one of those free things where, you know, Sometimes uh, a guy will bump a knee or, or something will happen where the adrenaline will get you through the game. But then once you get back to the locker room, once you wake up that next morning, you start feeling a, a little different. And I think that's what happened with him. And they just want to be super careful with this entire situation and make sure he's 100% right before he gets back out there. Well, Dave, you were saying that, that they don't believe – Zion it, like has a weight issue or is is fat right yeah like, I, I guess for a bet for lack of a better like will is that is that the prevailing thought around Zion that he's just like big boned I think is what you used to say about people <laughs> that were big like what like what is like is he really like and I'm not trying to call him fat but like I'm just I'm curious like what it is the feeling is on, on what his body type is yeah that they, they're they say very strongly whenever we ask them about it that they do not believe that Zion has a weight issue. They think he's just a real big muscular kid and he's just built that way. And even if they try to get him to lose some weight, he, he'll probably still look the same way. That's just because of how he's built. And, you know, he's such a big kid and he's such a, a freak of nature using the words that uh, David Griffin used with us. I think he's just a, a unique type of guy. And I think 
is going to be a real interesting situation, how they handle that moving forward, because we just haven't really seen guys like Zion in the NBA before, especially with his level of athleticism and the power he plays with every single game. So I think they're going to have to monitor these type of situations moving forward. But I, I don't think they view it as an issue. They don't. I don't think they see him as a guy that needs to lose 20, 30 pounds or anything like that. Uh, I just think it's a matter of him uh, making sure you know his, his knee is right, making sure he gets back from that. And I think they're going to pick up right where they left off because they felt like he was in incredible shape. And, they, and the one thing that David Griffin said to me was, man, I, I didn't hear anybody complaining about his weight when he was going 12 or 13 in the preseason game. <laughs> he had 29 <laughs> against the Spurs. You know, the weight wasn't an issue then. So I think they feel like the kid has the opportunity to be great. It's just a matter of making sure his body's, you know, 100% right. Yeah, I find that hard to believe because every single yeah. person on this call was in Las Vegas for yep. the summer league, and everybody who saw Zion was like, yeah, he looks good, looks explosive, but whoo, he, he, he needs to put them donuts down, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how how great a shape he could have gotten into. Well, I'm sure he could have gotten into pretty good shape between July um, and, uh, and October, um, it just seems like a bit disingenuous to say Zion has no weight issues whatsoever. He's just built differently from other people. I mean, how many guys come into the league and are in NBA condition, right? Like nobody. Every single yeah. guy comes in, they got to work on their body. They're going to work with the team strength and condition coach. This might be another instance where the team is just trying to, you know, protect the player and, and, and you know, not put any extra pressure on him. But, you know, come on, that guy, he, he needs to lose like 20 pounds. It's not I a big mean, deal. Same, yeah, and I think a, a big thing yeah, for him, yeah. you know, going into summer league was that, you know, he he had so much going on with him, you know, mm -hmm. from the end of March Madness up until draft day. You know, he had all of these meetings with a hundred different sponsors, and he had yeah. he didn't really know what he was going to do about his agent, and he had to figure out, you know, how he was going to deal with his parents and where they were going to stay. And he had so much going on in his world. I think he really didn't have that much time to focus on basketball and getting in the gym and running on the treadmill and all, and all of that stuff. So I think that's why you saw him look the way he did in summer league. But I can tell you, you know, from that moment, he, he was out in summer league until now. Uh, they kind of went into overdrive trying to make sure his condition is right, making sure he's prepared for this NBA season. And obviously he had this setback, but I think they have a plan in place. And I think uh, David Griffin has done a lot as far as bringing in people like Aaron Nelson, bringing in other people in the front office to prepare themselves for, because uh, just like you said, this is going to be an ongoing thing with Zion, uh, how his body looks how he handles all that weight and, and whether his knees and feet are going to hold up under all, the, all of that pressure. And I think that's something they're going to have to deal with every single year. Well, but yeah, I, I Will, they, he, he turns into like Greg Oden, Joel Embiid, right? Not saying I'm, I'm not saying in terms of injury, but like that's how we're going to watch it as a, as a basketball yeah. you know, nation or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. And then when you also factor in the history what this team has with injuries, you know, with right. yeah, exactly. Marcus Cousins going down with the Achilles and every single year it was like four guys on the injury report, you know, by the end of the season. That was part of the reason why Anthony Davis frankly wanted to get out of here was that, you know, they wanted he wanted to go into a, a situation where they handled, you know, those type of off court issues a lot better than the Pelicans have in the past. And I think David Griffin will tell you he's tried to completely rebuild that entire staff 
and try to get, put them in a much better position than where they were during the AD era. But ultimately, you know, as long as these type of issues pop up, I, I wrote this in my story about the Zion thing, where as long as these injuries keep popping up, people are going to keep saying, well, there go the Pelicans again, one more guy injured. You know, this this team, nothing has changed. You know, it's different faces, same story. And I think until they can really move past that and get Zion back on the court and avoid injuries with these other guys like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, until they can prove that they've done that, I think the questions are fair to say, has anything really changed in New Orleans? But I think there's a, an important distinction to make, and, and I'm kind of going back a little bit to our conversation. When we talk about Zion being in shape and Zion having a weight issue, it's a different thing. I just think he's carrying too much weight. He could be in the best shape of his life, but at 285, right. he's putting way too much pressure on those joints. And the way he plays is so explosive that it's like it's it's almost a ticking time bomb to a degree with just everything we see him do. And so well, and, and Mo, it's 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 not like I think you know, Vince Carter talked about this. It's not just the, it's not that he's taking off. It's all that weight landing, right? Like yeah. I think we, I think we always focus on the push off right, rather than the landing. And that's where the, that's where the stress mm -hmm. comes in. Yeah. yeah. It, he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? <laughs> big meniscus is my least what? favorite lobbyist in, in, in Washington. DC. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I, I think you, if you see Zion play, you can pull up all these highlights of him, you know, smacking his head against the backboard, trying to block shots or jumping over two people to get rebounds. This yeah, he's getting concussions out there, Will. careful. I mean, you know, he's he's extremely reckless on the, while he's on the court. And that's part of the reason why everybody loves him because he, uh, he yeah. plays with so much passion and he out. leaves it all out on the court. But I think ultimately, you know, as you become a professional, you got to learn where to pick your spots, where to kind of protect yourself. And I think uh, just like you said, as long as that weight is as high as it is, he's got to learn how to uh, make sure that he's healthy for the long stretch because – playing in the NBA is way different than college. You know, the 82 games is a long haul. You got a lot of road trips and a lot of back-to-backs, and he's got to be able to put his body in a position where he can handle all that, along with all of the pressure that comes of being the number one pick, best prospect since LeBron, all of that other stuff. You got to make sure you're mentally and physically prepared for that grind, and I think that's something he's got to learn, and I think the Pelicans are going to try to help him through that process, but I agree. He's going to have to lose some weight, even if they tell us he can't, even if they tell us he's 285 pounds all muscle, uh, he's got to do something to relieve some of that pressure on his limbs because if you want this guy to play 10, 15 years in this league, I don't know how he can do it at 285. You know, I, I, we just haven't seen that before in this league. Will, has well, there been any conversation uh, from the team on, on having him work on the biomechanics part of his game? The, the running, the landing, the stuff that actually, like, like Zach was saying, that actually takes the wear and tear on the knee and the, and the back and, and those, those joints. Yeah, I think that's all a part of the process. I think that they're trying a little bit of everything with him. I think uh, another part of this that we have to, you know, take into the consideration, we're talking about a 19-year-old. You know, when you're bringing all of these different ideas and, you know, all of these different ways to kind of help yourself, I think it's going to take him some time to really grasp it and really understand how important it is. Obviously, once you go into that knife, then it, it gets real. You know, that the rehab process, all of these doctors you have to talk to. I mean, this is the first time he's ever gone through anything like this. So I think this is going to be all new for him, and maybe this will get him to take this entire, you know, everything that's going on with him a, a little bit more seriously because I think that happens with most young guys. You feel like you're invincible your whole life. You're dunking on everybody every single time you step onto the court, and then when you get to the big league with, with the grown men, then everything changes. So I think this might be the first wake-up call 
for him that, you know, life in the NBA is much different than what it was at Duke and at Spartanburg. Uh, but I think, you know, it's going to take some time to, to get it right. But I think from everyone I've talked to, the kid is, is 100% committed to being great. And they see him putting in the work and they feel like it's not like he's one of these guys where he's out of shape and he can't run. And, you know, he's breathing heavy after a couple minutes. I think they feel like he's in great shape. It's just a matter of putting smart weight on and maybe taking some weight off to, to make sure he's ready for that long haul or that, you know, six, eight month season. What's the team's official timetable on the return or have they not yeah, given they, one? Yeah, they're throwing out six to eight weeks. They, they feel like uh, that's a really solid timeline for him to, to really just be cautious about it. I would expect them to probably push the later part of that timeline, maybe closer to eight weeks than six weeks. Uh, David Griffin mentioned earlier that, you know, Zion is already kind of pushing them to come back a little earlier than six weeks. I would be shocked if that happens because I know they want to be super <laughs> careful with them. Every yeah, step there's of the way. no way. I got a prediction that right. Like, there's no yeah, way. He's not coming back. Christmas to five Day. Weeks. We can we can say that right now. I, I would <laughs> say maybe closer to Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier. They got a they got a really long road trip, you know, leading up to that Christmas Day game in Denver. So maybe you get him ready right before then, and you maybe hold him out a few of those games on that long road trip. Uh, but I think they're going to take this process extremely slow, and I think they're going to make sure he's 100% right because the last thing you want to do is put him back out, out there and he gets re-injured because that's when everybody starts going crazy. Everybody starts piling on this front office, and that's the last thing they want to deal with. I think Screw it's it. a good Redshirt him. Dave, redshirt him this year. <laughs> Give him the Ben Simmons tree. I'm, so I, was saying, I was saying, you know what, hold him out until February. Uh, and, and you know, get him, get him on his diet, and uh, work on those biomechanics. But I think Christmas Day is is if I was gonna guess, that's when he's gonna come back. You can use it like, I mean, maybe the league is gonna conspire with them and say, hey, let's push it off. We'll have Zion's debut on Christmas Day. Ratings through the roof. Everybody wins. That'll be the league's Christmas present to all the fans, right? They're yes. gonna open up that box, and Zion's gonna pop out. Exactly. I got I got a question. I got a question. How many games can Zion miss and still win rookie of the year? Because we saw that with I think he played fifty. I think he played fifty games yeah. and still win. But my thing is, man, they got a they got a lot of good rookies this year, which is I mean, we haven't that, seen I any mean, of them, but John Morant is I feel like John Morant is gonna be game. good. I, I love me some Tyler Harrow out there in Miami. I think he's gonna be really good playing with Jimmy. And they've got a bunch of really good young guys coming out in this class. RJ Barrett's good. Like I like RJ RJ's good. Putting up buckets. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's like, a bunch of guys. So it's like but, if, if a, guy, a bunch of guys shoot up real quick, nah, it's, it, it might no, push that you, on him. You know what's going to happen? It, it's because it's the last 50 games rather than the first 50 games. The last 50 games, like yep. he comes in and he does what we right. think he can do, like he will take that vote. And it will be a lot of people accusing the media and the league of making this narrative about Zion and all this stuff, but he might be that good. Also, the good and, thing about the last 50 games is that you get to beat up on a lot of the teams that have given up a on lot of Phoenix Suns was, you know, a like so many Phoenix. teams that have been like, all right, season is a wrap. Let's, let's tank for LaMelo La now. Uh, Will, last, <laughs> last, last question for you. Um, how deflating is it like for the fan base, for covering the team, um, for everything that's been built up around this Pelicans team? Cause this Pelicans team has a very positive vibe about it with what David Griffin has done in a short time. That news, like how deflating is it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really deflating for the fan base. As a guy, you know, who grew up in New Orleans, I know a lot of people around the city, a lot of people that uh, were Pelicans fans back in the AD days and all of a sudden became Pelicans fans when Zion came to town. And I, I can tell you, man, they're, they're just walking around depressed because they were so happy to kind of see him in that first game against Luka and that game against AD when he comes back to New Orleans. People, so many people were looking forward to just being in that environment in the Smoothie King Center and seeing him doing all those 360 dunks and all of that stuff. So I think it's really going to hurt the fan base a lot. But I think for the team, I think obviously they, they want to see him play and they want him to be out there. But I think they're just excited about this new look, uh, this new vibe around the team with so many young guys, the AD drama behind them. I think they're just excited to get this thing going and really prove that they can still be a good team without Zion. I feel like a lot of people are kind of writing them off without Zion and feel like there's no way they can make the playoff push with so many good teams in the West. But this team has still got a lot of good players, man. They still got Drew Holiday. They still got Lonzo Ball. They still got Brandon Ingram. Sets like Derek Favors and JJ Redick. They're going to be competitive. I think Zion would have made them much more exciting. But I think they're still going to be a competitive team. I think there's going to be a really good game tonight uh, against the Raptors for sure. And uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing what this group is going to look like and how Alvin Gentry is going to make all of these pieces come together because they're they're still the, the deepest team in the league, in my opinion, with or without Zion. So they're they're built to prepare for these type of losses. It's just a matter of, you know, how all of these new guys come together where there's basically a brand new roster. The only guys coming back from last year are what true and a, and a bunch of and a bunch of bench guys. So uh, it's going to be a brand new thing for everybody involved. And I think they're just excited to see what it looks like. All right. We'll read him covering the, uh, the Pelicans all season. He'll be stalking the return of Zion Williamson. Will, thanks so much. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Uh, we got Jared Weiss here, right? Jared. Um, before we get to some contract extension, I don't know if you guys saw the big tweet this morning. There was a, there was a, there was, I don't know what Michael Jordan was doing. I don't know if he was drinking in an interview or something, but he said that Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet, to which Magic Johnson tweeted out this morning, everyone relax. We know Steph Curry is a future Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan couldn't say it because he would get fined by the league. This which is, which is true. <laughs> this is the reason Magic quit as president of the Lakers. Uh, for those tweets. This is yeah. what we need. This is what's missing. Also, guys, Mike is still rocking a hoop earring, yeah. and there's remnants of a soul patch happening. He knows yeah. it's coming back around. What's right. coming when back I, around? When I saw I mean, the video, I thought it was old. I thought it was old at first glance. Yeah, Mike is just, he's, st- he's stuck in a time machine. He's stuck in the 90s. Watch, God the, bless him. He's a billionaire. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but Watch, you're you're my culture kind of go-to guy. Is the hoop earring ever going to make a comeback? You know what? Um, I th- what you'll see around is people wearing like a very small hoop earring. Like it's barely hugging. It's basically hugging the earlobe instead of just dangling Almost like a big sonic earlobe, ring. Right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Um, so no, the big sonic rings that Michael Jordan used to wear in the nineties are not coming back, but you will see people with a nice little snug, um, hoop earring. Then I got to go to the mall and return the ring, the uh, earring I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, it's one of those things where Mike pioneered a bunch of stuff in the nineties. Um, people talk about the shorts, obviously the sneakers, 
Um, even the bald head where, like, cats like Jalen Rose and Chris Webber had perfectly great flourishing hairlines as college students but decided to go with a baldy anyway, which is just, like, unthinkable these days. Hoop earring never really caught on. <laughs> it just never caught on, man. Nobody was doing that <laughs> but Mike and Scotty, honestly. Also that uh, I'm not going to say – what mustache it reminded me of, but let's just say that stash didn't work. <laughs> the the hands, yeah, yeah. Let's just that stash didn't work. The Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> the, exactly. The Charlie Chaplin. Um, speaking of Boston, speaking of, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, Jared, Danny Ainge, he caved. He finally caved on a on a rookie extension. It hadn't happened since Rondo, right? In two thousand nine. It's been a decade. Can you believe Whoa. that? Is this, is this like a like an it thing? Like what? It came around, that clown came around every like 30 years or something like that. And now it was going to be, uh, you know, every 10 years, Danny Ainge will give a rookie extension out. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Bronny Jr. must be really excited for his extension 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. It's a lot of money. They were They were far apart on this, right? They were far apart for a long time. And then... Oh, over the weekend, it gets hammered out, and and now I believe it's what three years, or I'm sorry, four years, one fifteen with all the bonuses. If he gets all the bonuses, yeah, and those are some tough bonuses because the eight million of that is unlikely bonuses, and it's MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, or All NBA, and most notably, it's not All Star or Defensive uh, All Defensive Team because right. All Star and All Defensive Team, you could definitely see that as you know, a top level projection for where Jalen can end up, but ending up on an all NBA team is a different matter. So they, I would, I would imagine that negotiating over what qualifies as an unlikely bonus was a big part of this negotiation. I don't think it's a crazy contract, but he does have to play into it. They're paying. I'm also, for I'm also very high on Jalen Brown. Yeah. I mean, they're paying for who they want him to become, not who he has been at this point. And I mean, you know, both him and Tatum, people have taught the general talk about them is that they can't, they're coming off of down years. They're coming off of years where it did not live up to the hype, but they clearly improved year to year. So, you know, they're still improving as players and the projection is still pretty good for both of those guys. You know, Brown, his big limitation has been, I've seen the staff run out a ton lately is that he has more career turnovers than assists. And one I mean, on its face, that looks pretty horrible. One, if you compare that to some other players that are in similar stages of development or similar types of players, I don't think it's as much of an anomaly as it sounds like it is. And two, that's the thing that he's trying to improve on the most is learning how to not dribble into traps, learning how to pass out of it. Those are the things that he focused on the most this offseason, and we're seeing some progress of that in the preseason. We'll see how it comes along during the year. But that's the big area where if he's able to improve upon that, that's where he starts making that leap towards being an all-star and really being worth the money that he's getting paid. Jared, didn't Ainge have to make this deal though? Like once you, even if he didn't have to do this extension and carried it into next summer and restricted free agency, whatever, um, the idea that he wouldn't retain Jalen Brown specifically, you know, Tatum is in the same boat where it's like, Oh, we hoarded our quote-unquote assets because we couldn't pull the trigger on all these other guys. Our young guys are going to be so great. How could he ever justify not paying this this kid? Of course, you're 100% right. What was the point of holding out for just the right trade and valuing these guys if once those trades pass, you're not willing to keep those guys? So he had to put his money where his mouth is. Um, frankly, the tax ramifications aren't even that terrible. So really, the the question is, do you want to go into the tax to pay this guy? 
um, knowing that you're going to be probably based on his contract, as long as Jason Tatum has a good year this year, he's going to be asking for a five-year max contract a year from now when extension talks open up for him. So you know that by committing to Jalen, you're also committing to a significant contract for Tatum. And, you know, there's no need for these guys to try to cut corners at this point. It's like, you know, they took their big swing last year. It didn't work. They did a pretty good job of recovering and keeping the boat moving forward this year, but they have to keep pushing forward. And, you know, this price is a huge result because of the Buddy Heald news coming out. Once that Buddy Heald deal came out, it became apparent that there was, one, more room for Jalen to push for because Jalen's so much younger than Heald, and two, that there's less guys that teams would want to commit their cap space to on the market. So for these teams like Atlanta or Memphis that could be looking for a swingman to be their kind of their centerpiece balance to their offense, Jalen and Brandon Ingram were like the, are like the only two guys that were going to be left in the market at that point for young guys building. So that just gave Jalen even more leverage now. And it was pretty apparent when you look at the way that the incentives are stacked up that that, that you know, they probably pushed the Celtics probably a little bit past the point of where they were willing to offer guaranteed money and clearly pushed them past the point of where they were hoping to offer non-guaranteed money. I'm interested in what you think this does for their chemistry because um, clearly last year they were pissed about a lot of stuff. And, and Kyrie got a lot of a, a big, you know, a big chunk of that frustration, at least publicly, especially, you know, the, the typical shit when a guy leaves town, everybody starts trashing him. It's like, it's not unique to Boston. It happens almost everywhere. But, you know, obviously a big source, source of the frustration was uh, Gordon Hayward um, and Brad Stevens' insistence on keeping him in the starting lineup, feeding him minutes, which, you know, obviously was, was an effort to boost his confidence and get him back coming off of a gruesome injury. But, you know, after you get paid and you're Jalen Brown, are you comfortable taking a back seat still to Gordon Hayward? It's a good way to phrase it. You know, the thing is, I looked at last year in that they thought Gordon was ready and they were just trying to give, they were just waiting and waiting for him to really kind of break through and be ready. And it just wasn't happening. And by the time they made the change, it was just, you know, a little bit too late. Um, so I don't think it was as much force feeding him minutes as, as much as believing that he was going to be ready to take on that role. Um, you know, the thing is, there's a couple different angles to look at it from. So you would think that with Brown no longer having to audition for the rest of the league with this contract done, then that takes less pressure off of him and that he's no longer. Because, you know, the year before it was kind of playing for ego and playing for, you know, what you perceive your role to be established in the league. While this year it was going to be Jalen playing for his contract. And that's that's a way bigger uh, incentive to go off the reservation. So I think from that perspective, it does probably improve the perception of chemistry. Um, and then as far as the whole taking a backseat to Hayward thing, Hayward's main role is to be a distributor. Like it's mostly yep. for him to pass to Jalen for Jalen to then attack and score. So I think that's going to be a pretty fruitful uh, uh, partnership there. But obviously, if Gordon is just like not consistent and not great anymore, then that creates a much bigger conundrum that goes beyond just the Jalen and, and Hayward relationship. There's there's no way Gordon Hayward is going to opt out of that 34 million, is there? I don't think so. I mean, unless he averaged 40 a game this year, which I assume is not going to happen. <laughs> Brad, Stevens, <laughs> Brad Stevens may force the ball to him enough. <laughs> well, he's going to have to you do know. it all on the court because he definitely won't shoot enough free throws. Well, like, think about. 
think so like think about what the um what the max is for hayward like how much more he can go he can't go terribly further realistically than the 30 plus that he's owed at this point so unless there's a team out there that's sending signals to him that we're that they're going to give him like the same money but give him four more years i don't see any reason for him to opt out at this point when he can have another year in which he continues to get better and then maybe the team continues to get better and he's coming off of, you know, a finals run as opposed to a second round or conference finals run. But, you know, it all depends on how it goes this year, obviously. I was on top of that. There's, there's no team that's really anything that's going to have cap space next year is pretty looking for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Yeah. They're not looking for that, that, I mean, it's a situation where it's not like I'm going to go here and and contend or I'm going to be the missing piece. Like the teams that have that money, it's like, eh, they're still far away from it. I'm, I'm going to chill here now in 2021. It seems like we're going to have another situation where everybody's going to have cap space and then it'll get interesting. Who knows? Well, maybe Atlanta, maybe Atlanta thinks they're ready to win a championship. Oh man. If you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> That's he a might. lock, man. <laughs> He might, and he might, t- he might be the next Russell Wilson. He might have to get a divorce. He might, we're gonna be talking about, we're gonna be talking about Waz shouting out, "We the South!" Like this is, this yeah, the is South, be... the South will rise again. I'll tell oh, you that boy. much. Oh boy, I don't know. And I don't mean the the, the the rebels either. Oh boy. Oh, oh, oh man. Well, what do we? So, Jared, you kind of mentioned the the Buddy Healed situation like i don't remember between buddy between sabonis between jalen to an extent although he is his comments were much more mild i don't remember a whole lot of like negotiating these rookie deals through the media like like we saw this year like i mean does am i wrong on that is this happened i just haven't been paying attention like if especially buddy and sabonis like those were very aggressive comments publicly that i'm i'm a little shocked ended up working yeah, I was surprised that nothing was coming out of Brown's camp, but I, you know, he hired uh, Jason Bouchon, who was uh, who managed to pull off Al Horford's deal in pretty much complete secrecy and have the whole world. Guess oh, so this a was there. a this was a my bad guys. That's what this was. <laughs> this is like you know when Jeff Schwartz gave you know made sure Peck got sixty million dollars with the Wolves so that they could you know feel better about Kevin Love leaving. That's what exactly. this is. Yeah, because the story, at least you know at this point, from Alan from each side is basically that. You know, Al closed on that Philly deal as soon as he got it, and the Celtics came back to him eventually and said, "Hey, man, we've we worked it out. We got rid of Kyrie. You can actually enjoy coming to work again. Come on, let's do it." And he's like, "Sorry, I'm already committed." So this is a very nice uh, little bit of a mea culpa there. What about the what about the Buddy Heel contract for you guys? Like, I think it's I think it's four years, eighty six, with a potential of twenty yeah. million in in incentives. Good deal for for Sacramento. I yeah, think I think Buddy took a discount. I think they got a good deal, specifically when you consider his position is such a premium one. Um, yeah. and, and his I think shooting, he, his shooting is elite. Yeah, like I don't know how many people shooter. paid attention to the Kings. Like, yeah, he is a special shooter off he's, the dribble he's too. One of the, one of yeah. the handful of special shooters in the NBA, and why I think it's a great deal. It's not like he's twenty one. Or 20, where it's like... No, he's, you, he's 37 years old, Was. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is he's squarely in the best part of his career. So right. he'll be making this money while he is the best player that he's ever going to be in this league. So it's a fair deal. Like, he's an above-average NBA two-guard. Um, I think we'd all agree on that. 
And he's getting paid above average starter to guard money. Um, I don't think he's a perennial all-star waiting to happen. But, you know, whoever it is is the last two guard picked. He's in the tier right under those kind of guys. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be as good as, say, a Brad Beal or a Clay Thompson, you know, um, but obviously not James Harden. But this is a great – to me, this is a great no-brainer for the yeah, he, Sacramento Kings because that position is, you know, it's tough to get somebody that level of quality. Yeah, next Mo, summer – Oh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go, uh, well, so next summer we're all going to look at the contract Joe Harris signs uh, and and be mad at Buddy Heald's agent. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he's going to get that. Joe, Joe Harris is good. Hold on. Joe Harris is Joe good. Harris is going to get like eight. Guys, Joe Harris already told us he's overpaid. No, he's Joe overpaid. Ha- he doesn't need an, a bigger contract. Joe Harris, is not, Joe Harris is not going to get an Evan Turner contract when, <laughs> when the league has been hit financially and is losing cap space. That is not going to happen. Well, if they're going to lose cap space. All right. Let's. He's going to fix the China situation. <laughs> Great. Now we got to get this thing approved. Thanks, Jared. You're welcome, guys. China, 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 China. Jared, you're killing us. No, but no, Mo, what, what I was going to say is like, I think with Buddy to, to Waz's assessment is, is if he, he, like, he's either kind of at the bottom of that second tier of shooting guards in the league or he's at the very top of that t- third tier, right? Like, and I don't know how much better he gets, but even if he's this, what he was last year for the entirety of that contract, that's great value. Yeah, that's it's an awesome deal for the Kings. I mean, great value for everything that he's going to give them now. So if it doesn't, if he doesn't get any better, this is a good deal. On top of it, if he hits those incentives, guess what that means? The Kings are being having an amazing season. Right. They would happily pay all that money if that's what's happening, and they're they're going to. I love these incentive deals just because I also think it keeps a player motivated. Like we've seen it too many times over the years where a guy will get a big contract and then suck the rest of the way. I'm thinking of this Mo Harkless not shooting threes the final games of the season because he got to get that bonus. I don't know. I'll risk that because I don't think that's going to happen as often. But I think also when you tie it to team success as well, I think that sort of pushes you to to get to those levels. So I just really like these deals for, for teams in general. And I think for the Kings, this was a bargain thing. I mean, listen, Monday morning, I was like, are they going to have to trade? buddy after the comments he was making and if we don't get this deal done i'm gonna demand it you know i'm gonna need to find a new home and things like that like sabonis said the same stuff to a certain degree right like the sabonis deal is interesting because as we were talking about earlier like there is sort of this idea of like do you take sabonis over miles turner which like what idiot is thinking a this a lot this of point. people would sabonis is good man sabonis is good but what are we doing even in the Pacers organization feel that way. Like, I cannot understand it. What, I don't, what's the rationale, though? That, that I don't that know. You've heard, I like, don't know. I, I honestly like, It's don't not know. like Miles Turner has this reputation of being some type of curmudgeon or locker room cancer type of guy. No. Like, he's a guy that's shown, like, incredible improvement throughout his career, plays his ass off, and frankly is just much better than Sabonis, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand it. And so bonus, uh, you know, you were talking about the likely incentives. His his incentives are all NBA or all star. So those aren't happening. Jesus. Yeah, those are unlikely incentives. Unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) In this universe. Yes. Do you think it's a good deal for the Pacers? Me? No. Anybody. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's not an awful deal. They can move it. 
yeah, that's what I look at is like he's value now. It's not right. like it's not like he's Ennis Cantor, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. Val- it's value now, and you, and that's a deal you can move. That's yeah, it's the Danny deal. Larue Nene test, right? Like, can you can you trade it this summer? Absolutely, yeah. See, a- but, but but my problem is it's not that you can't trade it this summer. It's they obviously value this guy in an outsized way, in my opinion, um, or else they would have moved him last year for something, um, before you know before they got um before they cashed him out. Um, I, it just seems like they're going to ask a lot for this kid. Um, and that's, what's going to make him hard to move in my but, opinion. Like, but I think was, I think what helps them in this situation is kind of having this contract in place. You don't have to worry about him being a restricted free agent. Like if you traded for him yeah. now before this deal was in place, then you have to worry of, are we going to be able to doing a poison pill offer? Yeah. Is somebody going to come in with this massive contract that we're not going to want to match? Now his price is set for the next couple of years. And there's a value to that for teams now where they don't have to worry about what happens. Is Atlanta going to come in, you know, off the top rope with some ridiculous max deal or super front loaded or things like that. So I think this is a, it helps them in that sense in terms of being able to trade him because now he's locked up for a while. And I think it helps that value a bit more. Uh, What was the other one that got done? DeJounte Murray, four years, 64. That's Mozgov money. Great deal. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those, um, you know, injury deals, right? It's yeah. like for the player, I haven't played. $64 million is a lot of money. Um, and realistically, that's average starter money, right, for his position. Right. So it's like you maybe you haven't necessarily proven that you're an average NBA starter at your position, but they feel confident that he is. And because of the injury, he's like, all right, let me mitigate some, and, you know, some risk here and just take my money. Yeah, and Jared, e- even if he gets back to only the form he was before the injury and doesn't get anything past that, he's still one of the be- best defensive guards in the league. Like, I think you can justify yeah, money I mean, for that. And the thing is, I mean, he, even if the injury is what's kind of limiting him, he was so early in his skill development that you still expect him to become a more well-rounded player. So I would, I think that's an easy bet for me to make considering just how great of a defender he was early in his career. Yeah. I think in, I think in a year and a half, we're all going to think it's like like a Steph Curry like deal. I mean, not that he's going to be that player, but, but just uh, the production to the percentage of the salary cap that he's going to provide. I I think it's going to be insane. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but, but my, I do wonder, like, I don't, I don't, think you really have to pay point guards past about what he's getting unless it's like Steph right like but like sure. I don't know that I'm giving 20 25 million to a point like I look at the Conley deal I look at the the Kemba deal um and, th- and don't get me wrong those are really good players but like I would just look at it like I can give value with a point guard unless it's like an elite ah. elite guy but see if so- you're San Antonio though you're you're not the free agent destination that you even used right. to be when you had right. That no, crew. no, I'm saying I'm saying it's a good deal. I'm just also saying like in the future, like I really think because it's such a saturated position, Mo, like I don't know that I'm seeking to give someone 25 a year unless they're elite. Right. I I, I, I get what you're saying. We got a bunch of Derek White's. We got a bunch of Derek White stands on this line here too. So you know that's going to be a big contract. There. Well, yeah, he's getting he's getting five one fifty, right? I'll give Derek it White, like, give it to him today. <laughs> well, that's a lot. That's a lot for a guy who's going to be backing up the Jonte Murray. Yeah, hey, but no. that's what I was going to ask. Get DeMar DeRozan out of there, baby. Like, it feels together. like the Spurs are higher on on Murray than they are on um, 
on white. You know, that's a, I think that's a, that's a Spurs thing. They like to have that, that high quality guy, like a starter coming off the bench. I mean, we know um, why, we know why. And, you know, Dave and Jade earmuffs this, but like, it's the hairline, right? Um, like, Derek oh, hairline goes oh, so far back. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, wow. oh. it's got it's got like bare, it's got like in the gym range on that hair on that hairline. Gotta mute these guys. I have to. I told you to earmuff it. Listen, uh, no, but I think that they just look at you know look at what they the success they had with Manu, and I think that they've gotten accustomed to that, and, and all of their rotations are kind of set up that way. I mean. You know, there's Tony Parker to an extent, like all these guys. Yeah, like, exactly. Built, yeah, to yeah, varying and, degrees of success, but still like. They're going to have a lot. I mean, this Spurs team is really, really interesting in, in the backcourt. Like they have a lot of really good young guys that are going to have to play. And they've got DeMar DeRozan, who is, you know, pretty good himself, um, who is, you know, going to be a free agent next summer. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out, in particular as it affects Derek White. And, and, you know, can he bring on the offensive end enough to to kind of force himself into more minutes and maybe even into the starting lineup? But um, I don't think he's getting five one fifty. He's, I mean, that might, you're right. That might be low. Probably five, five, five two hundred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he they might, they might for max, away, right? Yeah, he they might take, get, the, yeah. take away the max contract just for Derek White. They're going to – yeah, they're going to change the CBA. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we had two more deals. I know Joe Ingles got extended one year 14. That's whatever. Like, he's – Yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. Um, and then – I thought that was low for him, honestly. Yeah, so I, he what he signed before was four for four, – 452, right? 52 yeah. over four. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of in line with that. But, yeah, he could probably get more. Like, he's, he's so good yeah. for his role. But I and think he might, for him, just locking up an extra year of – you know, yeah. is, is good, right? And I feel like there was a two-year twenty. Oh, Torian Prince. Torian Prince. Two, yeah, two years twenty-nine. Yeah, uh, a lot of people think that's high. Um, I I happen to be one of the people who thinks he can play. He can't defend at all, and he's a, he's a terrible rebounder. I don't give a uh, shit if he can rebound. I don't really though. like. They, they, well, I think he brings you all offense. Yeah, he's I, just I think, energetic. I think he's going to be perfect for that Nets team. Like just a perfect glue guy that that can do a lot of different things for them. Like I, I think he's going to have a big year. I think he, I think we'll see him develop in a way similar to Karis LeVert. Does he also think the Earth is flat, or do we know what the stance is on that? If he's going to be a glue guy, you have to kind of. Nah, he doesn't that think the Earth room. is flat, but he sees everything through his third eye. So. Gotcha. Okay, so <laughs> right, yeah. that's how he can kind of. That, that's a, that's why his vision sides. is so good on the court, right? Yeah, he can anticipate. <laughs> He but, you know, see. again, like what Zach is saying, his job will be to attack closeouts, you know, um, when teams try to switch on the nets, maybe attack smaller guys. It's all secondary stuff. I don't think he's going to be, you know, running pick and rolls and trying to play make and be like some huge secondary ball handler. And, and um, loss, too, like I would add on top of that, like, I just don't believe there's such thing as a bad two-year deal. Like, I really, yeah. Like, I think I, I, I've held this – firmly since Chris Humphreys got 26 over two years. Like it's like it, the first year is you feel it out and see if it works. The second year it's expiring contract. Yeah. It's, it's only, a, bad, it's only it, a bad two year deal. If the guy's some type of locker room cancer, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, or if he's some pariah around the league and nobody else would want him around. Um, yeah. Like you said, two year deals are never, you can't get too crazy. 
and they're paying for you know a young wing who's probably going to have a good showcase here. They're hoping he's going to have a good showcase here on a playoff team, attacking you know, who would be entering a free agency market where he's going to be one of the most valued wings. So I think that the price they're paying now is probably going to look good a year from now. Um, all right, guys, should we get to prediction time since this is the start of the 2019-2020 regular season? You ready for it's this? Kind of, man, it's tough. This is the hardest season I can I can remember. I, I, most, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Most improved player, Jared. Taco Fall. Thinking about it, I was trying to, I was trying to decide. It's Jared, was, Jared was asking Danny Ainge who he wanted him to say on the. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Danny? Oh, you want Carson Edwards? Okay. Um, uh, Karis Le- my pick right now. Um, Ooh, I just think I think he's been underrated because of just the lack of availability. Healthy year on this team next to Kyrie, which I don't really know what I mean when I say next to Kyrie, um, but. Uh, that that probably will boost his numbers enough that he can n- nail the award and he's going to be on a team getting a lot of attention. So he's my pick. Mo, most improved. I'm going Aaron Gordon. I think we're going to see a big jump from Aaron Gordon this year. I think he's been trending upward with the shooting. He's improved from the three-point land, which I think it sort of opens up the other avenues of his game. I, I'm pretty high on the Orlando Magic to begin with, so I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon. Uh, let's go with Dave. Uh, even though I don't like giving the award to a guy who's like a third year player, I think John Isaac is going to get a lot of buzz because if you watched him in the second half of last year, he really started to figure things out. He's amazing on defense. I think he's going to make all NBA defense. Um, and I'm high on Orlando as well. Oh yeah. You think he's going to be one of the four best forward defenders in the league this year? Jonathan Isaac. I love it. I love it. He's really, really good, Zach. He's very good. I mean, I he can guard a one through guy. five. He can guard a young guy. I I I, I want to see him actually do it on the floor. Like I, obviously, I love his tools. He's so huge and long, and yeah, and he's quick footed. Like obviously, all that stuff is. I, I, he's good, good but like but we're talking man. one of the four best forward yeah. defenders in the league this year. Yeah, he's too young. I don't think he's got I'm, the. I'm, the I'm riding with him. Uh, remember, Dejounte, you know, was a young guy who made it as a guard. Um, which is pretty hard. So uh, the other guy I would lean toward on this is Pascal Siakam again. Wow. I think he's, he's going to have the ball in his hands so much this year. He's going to be featured quite a bit. We might see his numbers really go through the roof and he could be a guy that, you know, goes back to back. Probably um, not though. Was. Um, Kyle Kuzma. I think oh, <laughs> brand strong. All right. This is, this is still a, sucking up to the Lakers. This is not yeah. a homer pick. I just think his job is going to be much easier. Last year was just such a weird ass season. All of those injuries. Kuzma was like taking, he was miscast as like, give him the ball, let him operate one-on-one, pull up threes, pick and roll. Like, nah, that's not his game. I think as, you know, just a tertiary guy, um, doing quite frankly a lot of the things that Pascal Siakam got to do last year because they had Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry soaking up so much of the offense. He could he can pick and choose and attack in only the most advantageous situations. I think that that's going to be the case with Kuzma this year. Look for him to improve on his shooting percentages and just overall shot quality. Period. 
Mike Smeltz, unmute. Who you got? Um, everyone's going to hate me, but uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, oh, is that God. fair? Is that oh, allowed? Oh. I mean, <laughs> I hate, I hate the second year. This, I, I, this is the reason I, I did not. Back on mute. I did, I did not vote for De'Aaron Fox last year right. in, as a part of this because I just I hate giving it to a second-year guy. Aiton is going to get the Rubio bump for sure. I think, but. I think Aiton is one of the most slept-on number one overall picks in the past, I don't know, 15 years. Aiton getting it. That's for sure. Because because Luka Doncic is no, not well, on that. What'd you say? He ain't getting it. Uh, uh, mute yourself. Mute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking about China just to make you do. <laughs> China, 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 YouTube, China, China. China. No, um, I think the take is that that he. China. We don't. We no one ever talked about Aiden last year because everyone talked about Luka Doncic and. I think the Suns team is going to be better than what they were last year. And he was 16 and 10 last season. He can bump that up a few different points. And then if he's 20 and 12, then you're talking about, you know, prime Dwight Howard level. And then everyone's all over DeAndre Ayton all over again. So um, I go DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go. Hold on, hold on. I, you just said he's going to be prime Dwight on Howard. On one end. On one end. On one end. Oh, Not defense. Whoa. Not defense. Well, I, want to remind, I want to remind you that that Dave called Jaron Jackson Jr. Tim Duncan 2.0. Yes. Hey, so, hey, right. hey, actually, you know what? He's actually Kevin Garnett 2.0. I, ah, I, I want to okay. amend that. Yeah, right. Current Kevin Garnett 2.0. Um, <laughs> let's go to uh, let's go to. Uh, oh, I'll give my pick. I, I was going Lonzo Ball forever, but now with this uh, with the Zion injury, I'm going Brandon Ingram. I think he's most improved. Ooh, I think he's going to have a monster year. Um, all right, let's go quicker hitters on this. Uh, six man, we all go in Lou Williams. No, I think he's going to get fewer touches in the clutch, and I think that's going to really affect him. And uh, um, I think Kyle Kuzma has a really good shot at six man of the year. The reason I don't like the Kuzma picks is I don't know when he's going to be back. Yeah, like, I mean so that is that's the only that that's the only concern. concern I have. I think he's yeah. going to be good, but I, I, I just think, don't know when he's going to be back. Yeah, and I, he's going to. I think he's going to score quite a bit coming off the bench, and that's usually the guy that gets it. I, I think yeah, Lou much. Williams' numbers are going to dip just because of Kawhi and, and Paul George. Everyone else going, Lou, or you guys got a – I got Eric Gordon. Gordon. I got Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, that's another good guy. Yeah. yeah he'll he be, knows he's another not, good guy, Arvidas Sabonis' son. Oh, <laughs> I think he's starting, Waz. He's starting, Waz. I think he's starting oh, for God. now. The, oh, $20 million man, baby. You got to start. Uh, interesting, man. Uh, coach of the year. Let's go quick hitters on this. Just give me a name from uh, Jared. Who you got coach of the year? You're on tape delay. Yeah. He's, still uh, talk, he's getting it from Danny. He's, he's, he's getting it from Danny. He's yeah, getting he's it from say Brad Stevens. Uh, I'm going to say Steve. I'm going to say Steve Clifford. Um, I think because I think oh, Orlando is going to be really good. And um, yeah, that's Steve goal. Clifford. Mo, who you got? I, I'm also going with Steve Clifford. Mike, who you got? Uh, Quinn Snyder. This is the Jazz Coronation Quinn Snyder season. Quinn Snyder. Jared, who you got? I'll go to Waz while you try to unmute. Waz. Uh, Brett Brown, only because I think the general consensus <laughs> around the world and league is that he kind of sucks, and I think the Sixers are going to be fantastic. That's a troll pick. Jerry, right uh, <laughs> who you got? Well, sorry, Jade cleared my mute button down. Uh, I'm going to go with Quinn Snyder also on the Jazz stand this year. Uh, I'm going Michael Malone, man. Nuggets going to get the one seed. They're going to kill. Yeah. Uh, in the regular season, anyway. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Does Zion still get it? 
I'm saying yes. I say Zion. I'll it. say yes too. Although I, it's like, all the health. Ja's gotta, yeah. Yeah, I think if, if it's not him, I think it's it's Ja or RJ. Um, just they're gonna have the ball so much, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's very. So just to just to just to recap that for everyone, Dave just picked three people for rookie of the year. First top, uh, top, top three. three. <laughs> top three. Picks top of the three. NBA draft. <laughs> right. <laughs> just hey, Jay. Just uh, you know, when when the rookie of the year comes around, just cut out the part. Just cut that in, and we got the clip yeah, right there. Exactly. That's right. Uh, all right. De- de- oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be Zion. Um, and because, you know, he's going to be so much more efficient statistically right. than these other yep. cats. Um, and, and I think voters better will team. remember the thing, the stupid thing that they did with Joel Embiid, where they gave it to Brogdon, even though Embiid was four times the player that Something he was. He should have been that. Um, <laughs> I think Zion will get the nod, specifically if, he, if he's back by December. That'll give him four months to absolutely wow and kill everybody. Um, Zion will be the rookie of the year. Better team, a lot of national uh, TV games. Defensive player of the year. We know Dave's going with Jonathan Isaac. Who else have you got for <laughs> defensive player of the year? Uh, Joel, Joel Embiid. Yeah, I think Embiid. Joel Embiid. Yeah, that, Embiid's my pick too. Embiid. Kawhi Leonard. Whoa! Uh, no way. He's Woo! done with every shit. Most trying, to, most trying to get that exclusive right yeah, now yeah. Uh, at Clippers games. Uh, I'm hanging right. out with Uncle Dennis right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Mo MVP. I think it goes Kawhi Leonard as well. If uh, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, play a lot of games, Homer. he's winning the MVP. Homer. All right, Dave. Joel Embiid. Uh, Mike. LeBron James. No one wants to give it to him, but the Lakers uh, are going to be a plus sixty win team. And he's going to 60 60, and he's going to, he's going to put his stamp down and he was, he's pissed off about last season and he's going to come out and he's going to be phenomenal. He's never had a guy like Anthony Davis. Well, on a scale of nine to 10, how much do you agree with Mike there? LeBron for MVP. Three. And it's not because LeBron, it's not that LeBron doesn't want to look good this year. It's just, he's old. He doesn't, he doesn't have it to be, that person every single night, random whack nights in Charlotte. Like he just, it's just, it's just not in him anymore. That's why I think AD is going to win MVP. Cause I think okay. he is driven by um, all of this stuff, like the stats, the finally playing on an important team, finally getting taken serious as clearly one of the five best players in the NBA. Um, I, that's why I think AD, he's the most highly motivated, besides Giannis, of course, who's just yeah. a psychopath with motivation. I think AD is the most motivated because it's like he got what he want, wanted. He's out of New Orleans. He gets to prove to people that he is one of the elite players in the league. And, I think he's had, and he's young enough that he has it in him to do it every single night. I think LeBron's going to be fantastic because he's fucking LeBron, right? Yeah. But so LeBron face, for six man? LeBron for six man? LeBron <laughs> for twenty seven. Most improved, yeah. He's gonna like that one. That one GM said he's gonna have a breakout year, right? That's yeah. That's what he's yeah. gonna do. Um, Jared, are you going with Tatum or Kemba for for MVP? Uh, Alex Caruso, I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the summer league legend. He's <laughs> angling for that move to LA, guys. Yeah, no, Jared, who you got? Hey, LA was where I was hoping to end up. Um, I I love that AD pick, uh, but I'm gonna go with Embiid. I just, uh, I think he's, he's just, he, he keeps pushing for it. And this year I'm all in on Philly. So I got him beat for both DPOI and MPP. Um, you guys are picking too many, two time, you know, two winners here for this award stuff. That's not going to happen. Uh, I'm going Jokic MVP one seed. He's going to put ridiculous stats. Like, I think it's, I think, I think he it's might a, get a triple double a game. 
Well, we'll see. He might. He might. Uh, it's very possible. Pick. I wonder how much money you could put down. I mean, what the odds are in Vegas for Jokic? That's a. That seems like great value. That is a good pick, actually. When you said triple double, did you mean like a sandwich? Like, is it like a double double with like a third patty? Or hmm. I always go double double at In and Out. The idea that he would eat one sandwich is insane. Um, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, all right, final pick. Let's let's just do let's just do let's do quick hitters. Uh, just give me a who's the champ, Jared. Alex Caruso again. I uh, know. Uh, I'm going with the Clippers. All right, Waz. Lakers. Mike. Lakers. Mo. Sixers. Dave. Sixers. Clippers. Wow. Why is the best of this? All right, thanks for listening to Basketball Buds. Check out all the pods uh, that debuted this week on the Athletic. Uh, what else we got? We got uh, theathletic.com slash NBA tip off. You get a free week trial and you get 40% off an annual subscription. It's a great deal. Tell all your friends uh, for Jared Weiss, for Anthony Slater, for Mike Guillory, for Mike's or Will Guillory, for Mike Smeltz, for uh, Dave DeFore, Big Waz, Mo Dacchio, Jade Hoy. I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for subscribing to The Athletic. Enjoy the action. Good show, guys. Thank you.